Hi and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Catherine, Sales and Marketing Lead in Aspire to Be, and today we're joined by Ricky Holdsworth, who's the Data and Project Management Lead with us. So hi Ricky, thank you for joining us today. Morning. Morning. So Ricky's going to talk to us today a little bit about his role in Aspire to Be and about, a bit about digital maturity. But first of all, tell us a bit about yourself, Ricky. So what's your background? How did you come to be at Aspire to Be? Uh, background is predominantly public sector, um, last 20 odd years. Um, you don't look old enough. Oh. <laughs> 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 I can't even comment on that. Um, I feel it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, predominantly education, IT, um, numerous roles in, in within that. So uh, I've managed uh, service desks, uh, procurement, um, and latterly uh, into project management for the last probably 20 years. Uh, so that included anything from uh, school-specific projects, new builds, um, to uh, sort of pan-authority um, infrastructure projects um, in terms of, uh, for example, Wi-Fi infrastructure, uh, broadband connectivity, um, large device rollouts. We had a uh, leasing Program, so we would probably swap out every academic term about uh, 250 systems. Okay. Um, so, as part of that, we dealt with all the procurement and obviously the logistics around deliveries, installations, and returns back to the leasing company. Um, so, yeah, so predominantly uh, Prince2 practitioner. Um, so, we use that as a framework to manage all our projects. Uh, and in terms of uh, the last sort of three and a half years since I came to Aspire to Be, that was prompted by um, taking redundancy from my previous role. Okay. Um, having been in the in a local authority for sort of twenty odd years, it does uh, ground you down to a certain extent. So um, I took a voluntary redundancy and uh, obviously looked for a new challenge. Uh, and how I came to be in Aspire to Be, uh, pretty much I worked with Simon. Uh, and Jeremy, uh, the original partners in Aspire to Be. Um, and I initially started to do some work on a specific project in Guernsey, okay. uh, which was predominantly around their digital roadmap, but um, the work I was involved with was around their um, management information systems. Um, so that was doing a, an options appraisal around what they currently have, all the other systems on the market, and basically making recommendations in the roadmap as to where they go forward. Okay, great. Sounds really uh, interesting. Yeah, so three years later, here I am as the data and project management lead. Congratulations. It's obviously been a busy three years for you. Um, it has. Um, totally different to the uh, public sector. Um, but uh, I guess the biggest thing is um, being able to innovate and basically implement things a lot quicker than obviously in a, in a public sector, uh, local authority. So. Um, you're able to see the difference you make a lot quicker and a lot more directly. Yeah, yeah, but that's a real sort of positive for you. It's oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else do you enjoy about working at Aspire to Be? What parts of your role are sort of what you really um, enjoy doing? Well, I guess because I've done quite a lot um, in terms of other roles, um, being a small organisation, um, I guess I, I can bring a lot of different. Um, expertise um, mm. ar- not just around um, sort of project management data but um, around um, 
so your, your everyday organizational stuff like health and safety um, like um, service management uh, like uh, procurement um, obviously a lot of the contracts that we, we, we bid for are sometimes public sector so uh, it helps that when we're doing those tender bids I can have an input into that. You've got that insight. Um, so yeah, I suppose whilst uh, data and project management is a primary role, um, I've been able to bring a lot of uh, sort of supplementary uh, expertise to it as well. Brilliant, great. And I suppose from a business point of view as well, it's quite fortunate to have that um, that different experience because obviously a lot of the staff here, a lot of the team are ex-teachers, so come from the education background. Yes. Um, you've got that sort of experience of the education sector, but not as yes. a teacher. Um, it's 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 interesting because um, from from their previous experience, particularly the, our Welsh colleagues who worked in a local authority. Obviously, there are free schools and um, you know, multi academy trusts in England. Um, I would probably be sitting on the other side of the fence, uh, so to speak. So. Um, whereas, uh, you know, an individual school will have its own um, uh, development plan. Um, a lot of what they can or cannot do from a from a technology perspective is is I won't say constrained. It's the wrong word. It's it's uh, it's shaped by what they can be pr- be provisioned with by, for example, a local authority. Mm. So. Uh, it's different speaking from an individual school perspective in terms of I want to do X, Y, or Z. Um, when you're speaking from an enterprise level, from a local authority perspective, where you've got maybe 80, 90, 100 sites, where you have to make sure that everybody's safe, um, every the connectivity is robust, um, that the devices are of a standard, and to, to provision that, you have to have um, sometimes viewed as constraining um, sort of processes and procedures um, so it's interesting that you can you can lend a, a, a different point of view sometimes yeah, um, an invaluable sort of point of view as yes well. and, and you don't want it to be a um, anything as viewed as a negative um, input but sometimes it does provide them with maybe a, a little reality check of what's what's possible within the environment a particular school might don't need to operate in yeah um, so, for example, where uh, our technologists might say, well, we could do X, Y, or Z, and so, well, yes, you can, but you would need to check X, Y, and Z with the local authority uh, to enable that. So I suppose in terms of having a different perspective, it's great, but it must be a bit tricky on the diplomatic side sometimes. It is. <laughs> um, yes, I suppose we've, we've been in, in, a, in a service provider position as we were, um, you've got almost two sets of masters. You've got your what you would call your clients or your schools, um, but also you have your sort of political masters on the other side of the fence. Um, so it, it is about juggling um, sort of balls to make sure that you effectively keep everyone happy. Um, so that's that's probably or possibly lost a little by um, individual schools. Um, because as, as we all want the best for uh, the children in terms of what they can achieve from their sort of digital provision in the schools, um, sometimes it's 
it's difficult to see from a school's perspective what or how you you provide that in, in an enterprise way as opposed to an individual school perspective which is a lot easier to manage so from um, your current role at aspire to be then um, we mentioned digital maturity earlier so that's something that you've worked on previously uh, can you take what is digital maturity so digital maturity is basically um, and, and it's got a heightened sort of context in, in what we've experienced over the last sort of 18 months with the pandemic is essentially how an organization um, can utilize digital uh, in inverted commas more effectively. So an, a, a maturity assessment is basically a snapshot of where they are at the moment. So um, we have created a, um, a model which isn't uh, isn't um, anything new, uh, but we have tailored it to what we think are um, or is sort of a, an aspire to be um, model whereby we think it covers all the the aspects of maturity in terms of uh, infrastructure. So that's their sort of hardware, software. Um, in terms of their, their readiness to deploy digital services. So that will look at their, for example, their, their culture, uh, how their strategy aligns to digital. Um, it'll look at, uh, for example, how so their business continuity in terms of IT and uh, general business um, is. So we get a picture from, uh, from that assessment is how ready are they to take on any digital change. Um, and then we've got uh, what we call capability and capacity, uh, which is the other thread, and that covers off basically, um, in basic terms, people, product, and process. So we look at, um, do they currently have uh, provision for, for example, collaborative working? Um, do they have the skills and competences to be able to work more effectively with digital? Um, so the digital maturity assessment will basically give them a um, a RAG status, so uh, red, amber, green around how ready they are, how um, capable they are and how uh, their infrastructure and their, their uh, device estate will allow them to um, progress I suppose with digital. So once we get that snapshot of where they are, um, we can then make recommendations around the various elements where they may be a red or an amber. Um, so the idea is that we give them essentially a a roadmap of uh, improving digital um, that aligns to their own um, strategic direction as well. Okay, so what sort of um, businesses, organisations would look to take up this digital maturity assessment? Um, well, it would apply, I guess, to any size of organisation. Um, obviously, the amount of time that you would have to take to do an assessment would, would uh, vary according to the size, but. We've done uh, assessments for, for example, coastal housing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done one for uh, Mid and West Wales Fire Service. Uh, we've done one for a local um, solicitors, uh, DW Harris. Um, and primarily, we, 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 we use um, online questionnaires to gather primary data around uh, from stakeholders. So that'll be employees, that'll be from uh, IT staff, um, basically senior management um, just to get that data around those three areas uh, so how do for example um, 
employees view their strategic direction and how their senior management team embraces digital. Um, that might have a different viewpoint to the senior managers themselves. Yeah. Um, so we bring that all together uh, from the primary data um, and basically we um, provide a, a feedback report around where we see um, they sit and then we make recommendations on making those improvements. So coastal housing, for example, um, very much um, a people organisation. Uh, so in terms of what you consider modern working practices around uh, agile working, um, you know, remote working as it was, um, their, their HR policies, very much centred around uh, people. Um, they have also a, uh, a lean systems thinking um, approach. So in terms of how they look at their processes, um, they have um, uh, lean thinking systems teams that look at um, particular problems. Um, what we discovered was that whilst they have all of these things in place, um, their systems uh, that underpin them are quite disjointed. Uh, so we have a lot of um, manipulation of data outside of the systems manually. Um, so obviously in terms of workflow and efficiencies, it's not very um, efficient. Uh, but also, um, they, in terms of how they, they work together as teams, um, again, a little disjunctive. Um, so what we did uh, ultimately, as, as well as improving their sort of digital um, sort of capability going forward, uh, we did sort of try and join up all the different um, working practices so that uh, not only internal uh, employees, but their, their, their customers, their, their tenants, uh, plus external vendors, uh, there would be a sim single process really for uh, dealing with um, sort of any issues they had, any problems, any changes that uh, needed to be made. Uh, so effectively we introduced um, principles of ITIL, which is uh, sort of IT service management, and we embedded in there to deal with sort of problems um, is their lean systems thinking. So we sort of brought together the IT and the people parts of the business okay. um, in, in one sort of process. Yeah, that sounds really rewarding actually, and because we know the community, it's, yeah. um, it's great. But it's really interesting to see what our wider capabilities are as well, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, we, we do have between us um, expertise in terms of not just what we've talked about this morning, but um, around infrastructure. Um, so we were able to put some uh, new networking in, new um, Wi-Fi access points. Um, so not only do they have the latest kits and um, uh, the provision to teach um, sort of modern, sort of, for example, desktop publishing, um, but they've got the infrastructure that will support it as well. And I'd ask you what your favourite part about that project was, but I bet it was eating in the cafe if there was it. Um, because I've been there. And I couldn't. Amazing. Comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I haven't said that, we uh, we did have to um, provision uh, uh, the cafe with some with a, 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 a cashless payment system. Uh, and so you had the to test readers. it worked. Um, yeah. So yes, of course we had a coffee. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so we'll finish with a few quick fire questions. This is going to be the real tough bit. Okay, Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Good choice. 
Okay. Uh, sun or snow? Snow. Mm. Would you rather read a book or watch the film? Read the book. Oh, good choice. Everyone always says film. No. What's your favourite book then? Oh, my word. Um, the one that had most impact on me when I was young was uh, Danny Chaplin of the World. Oh, I love that Roald Dahl. Book. Yeah. Um, but my favourite author has to be Terry Pratchett. Mm. And probably my favourite book of his would be um, Mort. I haven't read that. Do you recommend it? I recommend you read the whole series. Okay. Well, if they're rubbish, I'll blame you. Um, yeah, you might have heard of Discworld novels. Yeah, yes. yeah. I've been rec- I'm not sure about that. Okay, brilliant. Yes. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, and um, hopefully, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.